Can y'all hear me? I don't really feel like I'm coming through. Okay. Okay. Good. There's an old black gospel song that says, trouble in my way. I have to cry sometimes. Trouble in my way, I have to cry sometimes. I, I lay awake at night, but that's all right. Jesus will fix it after a while. There's so much rich theological truths in, in, in those words. And in, in a lot of African-American spiritual songs, they are filled with theology. You see, the fall puts trouble in our way as image bearers of God. It puts the trouble of racism and systemic justice in our way, particularly in the way of some black people and people of color in our country. It puts the trouble of broken systems and laws in our way. It puts the trouble of hurricanes in our way. It puts the trouble of a global pandemic in our way. It puts the trouble of cancer in our way. It puts the trouble of death in our way. It puts the trouble of shattered relationships in our way. It puts the trouble of image bearers dehumanizing one another in our way. And each of us, in certain moments of our lives, we, we cry and we lament sometimes because of all the brokenness. We lay awake at night because life isn't what God created it to be in Genesis 1 and 2 anymore. It's not. And in fact, it might not ever be that again on this side of glory. But that's all right. It's all right because after a while, Jesus will fix it. Let me get my sign here. After a while, Jesus will fix it. And in fact, He's currently fixing it. It's not that he's going to fix it down the road. He's in the process of fixing it. Jesus comes to to do what what the late John Lewis once says. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get into good trouble, necessary trouble. Jesus comes into the world and he gets into good trouble on purpose and for purpose. He gets into good trouble for God's glory and for the sake of all God's image bearers. Can I get amen? He comes to redeem and to restore what the fall has broken. It has broken everything. He redeems the Imago Dei. He comes to do what the first Adam failed to do. Jesus heals and reconciles broken relationships. He comes to bring the cosmic redemption of all creation, not just individual salvation. He didn't come just for individual salvation. He came and comes to make all things new. The real Jesus gets into good trouble for doing all of this good work. Your play, though, Jesus doesn't. Oh, yes, he's back. He's never left. He still hangs around your life. He still pretends to be the real, authentic Jesus. Plato Jesus, uh, Plato Jesus gets you into the kind of trouble that the fall gets you into. He's created in your own image. In your, he created out of your own imagination. And, beloved, that is an idol. That is not the Christ. 
Thank you, brother. Who is the real, non-Americanized, non-colonized, and non-Gatorized Jesus? Who is he? Do you know him? Have you ever known him? First Colossians 1, verse 15, verses 15 through 30, 23 tells us. And I want you to think about these verses as a divine convention that presents to y'all the real Jesus of Nazareth. The real Jesus of Nazareth. And unlike the two political conventions y'all just watched, this convention makes promises and statements that are true and will come to pass. This convention isn't filled with political hot air. It's filled with life-changing truth. And TVC Saints and guests, we're going to begin working our way through these verses, through this divine convention. We're going to begin with, with verse 15a, and it says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. Please pray with and for me before we move forward. Holy Spirit, we ask you, as I do every week, that you need to move in the hearts of God's people. Even in the hearts of those that are here and tuning in who doesn't know Jesus. You have to do that. I can't be people's Holy Spirit. I am not the Christ. I'm just a man with a whole bunch of issues. So, Holy Spirit, you have to do it. You have to move. You have to change. You have to convict. You have to encourage. That's your role. There is no substituting you in this life as Christians. So, Holy Spirit, will you take these words and apply them to my heart and apply them to the hearts of everyone that is that's here in the sanctuary and everyone that is tuning in on Facebook Live. Will you do that, Holy Spirit? It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. I'm a little confused. Confused by what, Pastor? Some of you may be asking yourselves. Well, the book of Genesis says human beings are the image of God. But now, in, in, in this the divine convention, in Colossians 1, verse 15a, it says Jesus is the image of God. What's happening? Well, what's going on? Does this mean the image of God in humanity means the same thing for Jesus? The answer is no. You see, we're, we're created in the image and likeness of God. Jesus isn't created. Amen. He, he is not made like we are. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, See, Jesus is begotten of the Father, not created and made by him like us. And so what does that mean? It means Jesus has a unique relationship with God the Father, one that is different from our relationship with him. It's a one-of-a-kind relationship that has always existed, even before the foundations of the world that had this relationship. One Christian writes, we don't use words beginning or begotten much in modern English, but everyone knows what they mean. To beget something, to beget is to become the father of. To create is to make. And the difference is this. 
you be, when you beget, you beget something of the same kind as yourself. A man begets human babies. A beaver begets little beavers. And a bird begets eggs that turn into little birds. But when you make, you make something of a different kind from yourself. A bird makes a nest. A beaver builds a dam. A man can make a statue. But of course, it is not the real man. It only looks like one. It cannot breathe. It cannot think. It is not alive. This author goes on and says, now that's the first thing to get clear. What God begets is God, just as what man begets is man. What God creates is not God, just as what man makes is not man. That is why men are not the sons of God in the sense that Christ is. They may be like God in certain ways, but they are not things of the same kind. Human beings are more like statutes and pictures of God. Humanity as the image of God means we're relational and diverse reflections of a Trinitarian God. We're the representational image of God on earth. And to some extent, we imperfectly express the character of God. You see, on one hand, image bearers reflect and express the, the communicable attributes of God. These are the attributes that he shares with us. And they have some resemblances in us because we are the Imago Dei. And what are these communicable attributes? They're intelligent, intelligent attributes, moral attributes, and volitional attributes. Volitional has to do with will and power. All three of those have some imperfect reflection in all image bearers. All of us. Amen. Now, on the other hand, God does have some attributes that he doesn't share with y'all. These are his non-communicable attributes. They, they belong only to our Trinitarian God. And what are they? God is eternal, incomprehensible, unchangeable, infinite, and invisible. That's right. He's invisible. And his invisibility doesn't make his presence and power invisible or less real. God's invisibility isn't a character flaw. It's not a shortcoming. It doesn't mean he is distant from your life and pain. It doesn't mean he is absent from his creation. It doesn't mean he is silent in the midst of evil and injustice and a, and a pandemic. It doesn't mean any of that. And his, and his invisibility isn't a justifiable excuse for anyone to deny his existence either to deny his rule and sovereign control over the world his invisibility is not a justifiable excuse for christians in this country to freak out over this upcoming election god doesn't stop being god every four to eight years and not and not, he doesn't become god depending on who's sitting in the office he is not dependent upon a pledge of allegiance to make his name known in this country if he is, then he's not God. His invisibility is part of who he is. It has nothing to do with us. It's part of his nature, one of his attributes. Paul says God is an invisible God, an unseen God, unseen to the human eye. No human being has ever seen God, says John 1.18. He is invisible to our senses. But what's beautiful 
is that this invisible God still makes a way for us to embrace him, to trust him, to know him, and to surrender to him. That's beautiful. That's love. Worthy of amen. Humanity doesn't discover God because of our intellect, emotions, and physical effort. He reveals himself to us. If you think you discover God, you have replaced God with yourself. He reveals himself. What is finite cannot discover what is infinite. Infinite has to reveal himself to the finite. He makes himself known to us. He condescends to do that. Okay? He condescends to do that. I've said this once before. Jesus is the only one who has friends in low places. And you are the low places. So get it right. The Old Testament is filled with examples of our invisible God revealing himself to people. And sometimes he reveals himself in physical appearances and manifestations. These are known as theophanies in the Old Testament. It's God revealing himself in ways that are tangible to the human senses. He takes on various forms to reveal himself, like the angel of the Lord, the the burning bush with Moses, the the cloud of smoke and and the pillar of fire and and, and the pillar of fire and sky and cloud leading the Israelites. He even appears to some people in dreams and visions. This is God condescending to us, to the saints in the Old Testament, so he can be known. Like in the vision in Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 14, in Ezekiel 1, verses 4 through 28. The prophet receives a vision of the glory of the Lord. It paints a wonderful image. But Ezekiel says, after seeing the vision, he says, the vision was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And that statement is important. Why? Because God's true essence is never seen in any of the Old Testament appearances. None of them. Remember what he tells Moses. You cannot see my face. Any man, man, for man may not see me and live. All the Old Testament theophanies are just the appearances of God's likeness. They are not the true essence of who he is. The true essence of God remains unseen to the human eye until Christ comes. Until Christ comes. What does Paul say about Jesus in Colossians? He is the image of the invisible God. And that's different from humanity being created in the image of God and likeness. Very different. If you've ever been to Nashville, I'm pretty sure you visited Nashville Parthenon, which is a full-scale replica of the original Parthenon in Athens, Greece. It, the original was created in 43 B.C., and it's a, it was just a temple for the Greek goddess Athena. And within the temple, there's an, there was an, a statue of her. And then a similar statue is in the uh, Parthenon in Nashville. It's 42 feet tall. That's big, but it's not the original. That statue and that Parthenon are replicas, even though they look exactly the same as the original. They're copies. They're models. They're not the real thing. Jesus as the image of God doesn't mean he's a replica of God. Doesn't mean he's a copy. Doesn't mean he's a model. Jesus isn't God's doppelganger. He's not God's double. 
He's not a profile pic of God. He's not a statue of God. He's not a clone. He's not like humanity as the image of God. So what does it mean for Jesus to be the image of the invisible God? It means he's the selfie of God. The selfie of God. Everything the Bible says about God's character, nature, and attributes are all true of Jesus. Amen. Amen. He represents and manifests the invisible God visibly. The invisible becomes visible through Jesus Christ. You need to think about what that means. You need to let that go inside your heart, inside your soul. He is the only image of the invisible God. Not one image, the only image. Why is that? Because Jesus is God. Because Jesus is God. This is what one of the things that the divine convention presents to y'all about the real Jesus. He is God. Because if you don't get that, if you don't believe that, then everything else that he does doesn't, does not, doesn't apply. If you don't believe this. He's one person in two natures. He's the God-man, fully human, fully divine. Is this the real Jesus that you believe and surrender to? Or is your Jesus just Plato Jesus? So much like you that you don't worship him. Or so different than you that he can't empathize with you. Which is it? Think about it. Most of you have grown up in churches. What, of all the things that you've been taught about Jesus, have you really met the real Jesus that's not wrapped in all of our cultural baggage? In John 10, Jesus walks into the temple during the Feast of, of Dedication, and some fellow Jews come and gather around him, and, and they ask him, he says, they say, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, Tell us plainly. Tell us plainly. And Christ says to them, I told y'all, and y'all don't believe. Why don't they believe? Because they're looking for a Plato Jesus. Who are you looking for? He says, the works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you're not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and they know, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will not perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. That's a mic drop statement from Jesus. So, so do you understand what he's saying there? If he said the Father is greater than all and that he and the Father are one, what is he saying about himself? I'm greater than all, y'all. He can say this at his divine convention and it won't be a lie. I'm greater than all, y'all, and I'm better than all, y'all. Because I'm God. He's the only one who can say these things and it's true. And it's true. In John 14, 8, one of his disciples named Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. 
I mean, y'all like Philip. Jesus, this, 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 this show us the Father, and that's enough. He says, if you have me, you already have the Father. If you already know me, you already know the Father. There is nothing else I can give you. What about y'all? What about y'all? Jesus is God incarnate. God in the flesh. Emmanuel. God with us. Again, does that comfort you? Does that comfort you? That, that, that God says, even though the first Adam jacked everything up, I'm going to make it all right by condescending and coming down and being found in human form. I'm going to, I'm going to dwell among sinners. I'm going to be God with them. That is love. That is tangible love. Hebrews 1.3 says, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Amen. <laughs> the NIV Bible says he is the exact reputation of God's being. That is who Jesus is. He's not just some average Joe walking around Jerusalem doing miracles and turning water into wine. He is God. Give him some credit. And so as Christians, as we look at, as Christians in America, as we look at everything that is happening in our country, as we look at everything that is happening in 2020, it does not phase Jesus. We either have true hope or our hope is sand in our hands. Which is it? Now, pain and suffering and grief and despair, we have all those emotions. But if it robs you of who Jesus is for you, then that is from the enemy, not Jesus. He never promised that everything would be easy. But what he has promised is to be with you forever. He doesn't stop being Emmanuel. He's still Emmanuel. He's still with you. Do you believe it? The real Jesus is the perfect, flawless, correct representation of God. And Jesus knows it. He knows it. He's not dependent upon your belief to affirm who he is. Okay? Your faith does not affirm who he is. Even if you don't believe it, he's still God in the flesh. Okay? He's not dependent on your belief. He's not Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny. Come on. He's God. He knows himself. He doesn't have an identity crisis. He knows he's the selfie. He knows he's God in the flesh. He knows he's Emmanuel. He knows that he's the image of the invisible God. He knows he's both God and man. He knows that he's otherworldly. Jesus being the image of the invisible God also means he makes God known to us in tangible ways. John 1.18 says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus 
makes God known as Father. When you read through the Gospels, how does he make God known in the Gospels? Father, 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 personal, relational, the transcendent has become imminent. He's far off, but yet he's close to you as a good father. Do you rest in that? Do you hope in that? What say you, saints? Have you ever asked yourself, why does Jesus reveal God to us as father? Most Christians in America, we, we think we picture ourselves as, as soldiers for the kingdom. Soldiers for the cross, workers of the gospel. You are a son and daughter first. And that's why some of y'all don't have no joy. Because you're too busy working for God, laboring for God, being a soldier for God, and you don't know how to be a son and daughter of God. You think this is God's first rodeo? (laughs) He's been doing what he's been doing before you were born. He just didn't start redeeming things because your church exists, because you wrote a book, because you have a conference, because you have a podcast. This is his thing. His job, his glory, his work, his redemption. You just get to participate in it. We're not that important because if he can speak to it through a donkey, that means you're not that important. It's a privilege to share in the ministry of reconciliation. And this is going to outlive all of us. Give him some credit. Jesus made God known known as Father. He reveals God in a richer and fuller way. He he makes known to to people how their relationship with God can be restored. He he makes known the the kingdom of God. He he makes known God's mercy and and love and and grace and and justice. He makes known God's love for sinners and broken things. He, He makes known God's plan for cosmic redemption, the redemption of all creation. He makes all that known. Do you want to know what God is like? Then you need to look to Jesus, the real Jesus of Nazareth. Not your Plato Jesus. Not your Americanized, colonized, ghettoized Jesus that you have dressed in red, white, and blue. Not the Jesus created in the image of your political party, your culture, your nationality, your view of the church, your view of justice. Problem is we don't have any humility as Christians in America. We think God is lucky to have us on his side, if we're honest. Don't forget who you were before that blood redeemed you. You were God's enemy. Even if you were self-righteous, you're still his enemy apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, you are his enemy. You cannot stand before him without the blood. You can't even look up into heaven without the blood. He doesn't need your performance. He's God all by himself. If he needed your partnership, he wouldn't be God. That's Plato Jesus. He needs your partnership. The real Jesus doesn't. The real Jesus says, get down beneath my feet where you belong. 
Worship me. Worship me. Worship me. If you're thinking you, if you're working hard to stand beside Jesus as his equal, you ain't worshiping him. You think you're, you think you're equal to him. And some of us do. Because we got the right theology. Because we got the right view of the church. Because we got the right view of justice. Because we got it all right. Some of us can be very, very disappointed when Christ comes back. Because if we're honest, we don't have it all right. We don't. Is Jesus, you worship the image of the invisible God, or is he the image of you? You need to ask yourself that question this week. Is the Jesus I worship the image of the invisible God, or is he the image of me? Or he's the image of my group, the image of my tribe. He wears my colors. Which is it? We redefine Jesus in order to make him palatable to us. Please know that. Your palate doesn't really like the taste of the real Jesus. Because in certain areas of your life, he's going to taste like food you don't like to eat. If you're sitting in your home, sitting here now, thinking I always like what Jesus gives me, then you might not be tasting the real thing. Because in certain areas of your life, he's going to come and say, that's not of me. If you really worshiping the real Jesus, he's going to blow up your worldview. He's going to blow it completely up. And some of you trying to redefine him in the image of your worldview. You say, I don't play that. I'm not right or left. I'm me. We We redefine him so he can be palatable to us. And when you reduce Jesus... So far down to your level, you will lose reverence for him. You can't worship and surrender to a Jesus that you define and control. Cannot. The real Jesus is the boss of you. And if you're going to be in saving faith with him, this is what he has to say to you. You're going to learn today. Now, a lot of things that are happening in our culture right now is Jesus saying to the church in America, y'all going to finally learn. The things you have given yourself to is not of me. The things that you have aligned yourself with is not of me. Y'all going to learn today. There is only one Savior, and that is me. That is me. And for a lot of y'all, your worship of this country, he's going to strip from your hands. And he's stripping it from you. And you don't like it. It's okay. He can deal with that. It just just own it. You cannot come and have faith in the real Christ and expect it to always be comfortable. Sanctification is not. It is not. Another Christian author says, the sum is that God in himself, that is in his naked majesty, is invisible. That not, that not only to the physical eyes, but also to human understanding. Please get that. The eyes and our understanding. And that he is revealed to us in Christ alone. 
where we may behold him as in a mirror. For in Christ, he shows us his righteousness and goodness and wisdom and and power and in short, his entire self. We must therefore take care not to seek him elsewhere. Outside of Christ, everything that claims to represent God would be an idol. So what does that mean, Pastor Alex? If you think America represents God, you are living in idolatry. That's what it means. If you think your group represents God, that is an idol. If you think you and your tribe are the only represent God, that is an idol. Christ and Christ alone makes that claim, and it is true. Nothing else. Nothing else and no one else. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. And if you can't accept that, then, you can't, then you're not going to like anything else I got to say if you don't accept that. That's the first truth of this divine con- convention. Jesus is God and no one else is. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are not a replica. You are not God's double You are God in the flesh. You are God all by yourself. And you don't have to align yourself or or with anything to make that true. It's who you are. It's part of your nature. And so help us to believe that as sons and daughters of the king. And so, Lord Jesus, watch over us, bless us, sustain us. Again, I pray for the sufferings that are taking place and injustices that are taking place in our country, I pray into them that you will provide healing and hope and restoration in the midst of all the chaos. It's in your wonderful name I pray. Amen. Saints.